0: God, we just thank you for today. We still our minds on you. Open our minds, our hearts, our ears to hear, Lord, from you. Uh, Lord, not Pastor Heath, not, not a sermon, but Lord, from your spirit through your word. God, that you know where we all are. Lord, you know what we fall with, uh, falter with. God, you know, Lord, how much we need you. And God, I pray you just give us awareness of your spirit, that you'd be our source, our supply, that our purpose would be in you. Lord, that we would just run from the pleasures of this world into the presence of the living God, where our purpose and power lies in your spirit. Uh, Lord, and and your word declares there are pleasures forevermore in the presence of the living God. We just want more of you today. In Jesus' name, if you want more, somebody say more. more. Amen. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles. To Judges chapter thirteen, Judges chapter thirteen verse twenty four. I want to talk to you about a lion in the vineyard. A lion in the vineyard. Part of our New Testament, our Old Testament series called Timeless Testaments. I'm talking about Samson this morning. Uh, but let me give you a little story. As you turn there, uh, it was said that Ryan Leaf could throw a football like a rocket. Now I'm not a much of a football follower, but uh, this story uh, intrigued me in light of what we're talking about today. In 1997, Ly- uh, Ryan uh, led Washington State College to its first Rose Bowl in 67 years. He was a finalist for the Heisman Trophy uh, after his junior year. He even rivaled Peyton Manning as the number one draft pick in 1998, and then he signed with the San Diego Chargers for a four-year contract of $31.25 million. How many people would like that salary, right? Uh, it included eleven over $11 million bonus. It was the largest ever to a rookie at the time. Yet, before he ever got into his season, he became known as this partier. He yawned at one of his first interviews. He skipped mandatory meetings, was fine. And despite some success in his first year, even in his first two seasons, uh, he was fill, his uh, seasons were filled with tons of interceptions, injuries, uh, and sacks. His coaches, coaches began to question his dedication and uh, ended up his next two NFL seasons, he tanked it. He ended only with 13 touchdowns and 33 interceptions. And after two trades, he was demoted, failed physicals. He left the NFL in 2002, ended up divorcing, was convicted of drugs, felony burglary, spent five years in prison. Now, you look at a person like that and you say, man, tons of potential. Almost, you know, number two to Peyton Manning, could have won the Heisman Trophy. What in the world happened? Those stories are some of the saddest when you say, man, what could have been if only, if only? And there are stories uh, throughout time like that. And the one we're talking about today is no different. But I began to think about this and I said, God, how how often is that the case, even for Christians today, that we have so much potential, so much opportunity in the Lord? And how many of us fail to meet the potential that God has placed in our lives for the kingdom of God? We get so focused on the pleasures and the things of this world, the entertainment of this world, the relationships of this world, the careers of this world, the things of this world. And what is there was so much things we could be doing for the kingdom of God that would stand the test of time, be written in heaven forever. And I don't want to be a person that could have been... I could have been or a what if, if Heath Harris had only done that, if Heath Harris could have done this or would have done that, if he would have just had the faith to do that or took a leap of faith and done this, what mighty things could have been done for God. But he settled for less. He endured through this or he preferred to do that and have a nice house and a car and do all these things. And and he could have. But if he would have just taken that leap of faith, he could have done something great and mighty for God. I don't want that to be my story, and I don't want that to be your story. I think God has great things for you to do while you're on this earth. But I believe so many people in America today are squandering their heavenly purpose by mixing it with earthly pleasure. Are we squandering our heavenly purpose by mixing it with earthly pleasure? Let me give you the background of Judges chapter 13. Because of idolatry, Israel had been in captivity or under the oppression of the Philistines uh, for 40 years. But God finds a faithful man and a woman, Manoah, and his wife, and an angel of God. The angel of the Lord speaks to them and says, You're going to have a baby boy, uh, and he shall be a Nazarite from birth. Even in your womb, he is called by God. And so he begins, uh, they, they tell him, Okay, here's what, what can, he, can he not do? And he said, Well, he cannot eat anything or drink anything from grapes, Uh, and he cannot eat or touch anything unclean, and he cannot ever cut his hair. This is a high calling, and a Nazarite calling uh, extended from the time of Moses. It was a special high priestly calling, even to be more uh, strict in some ways than the high priest itself. And while most Nazarites would only be called maybe a month or two month or a special vow even for a few years we see people in scripture just called just for a certain time like we take a fast sometimes in the christian world today we might take a fast a week long fast a month long fast or do dedicate ourselves to this. but samson was called to be a Nazarite from birth until death he was a special vow as consecrated holy to the lord he has set apart to receive a special anointing And in Judges chapter 13, verse 24, the Bible says, The woman gave birth to a son, named him Samson, and the child grew up in the Lord, and the Lord blessed him. And in verse 25, this is powerful. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. The Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. Samson would be called to be the last judge of Israel and to bring deliverance from the Philistines. Now I begin to think about how the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. He had a calling on his life, that he had a special purpose, that he was set apart to do something great for God. And you know, uh, in the Christian life, that is uh, what you have and what I have is no different. When you become saved, you give your life to Jesus Christ. He begins to call you and to do things that Jesus Christ said that you guys as the church can do greater things, that when I put my Spirit in you, You are going to continue the work that I did, that Jesus Christ did when he was on this place. And you and I have the same calling. Think about this. You have the same calling on your life that Jesus Christ did. In this way, the Spirit of God has called you to continue to preach the very good news that he came to begin. Think about it. What a great, powerful, almost scary. Holy anointing, that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you, and the same gospel He preached, He's given to you to preach, and the same church He came to build, He's called you to become. How awesome is that? You have a high priestly calling. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God. That's us. We give our life to God. To those who are called according to what? His purpose. God has a purpose for saving you. He did not save you to go to heaven. Let me just be clear. God did not just save you. Yes, that's part of it. But your purpose is not to live a good life and go to heaven. Your purpose is to continue the mission of Jesus Christ, which was to glorify his father. Your purpose in existence now by him ransoming you from death is to do the will of God. That is it. It's not to walk the streets of gold. It's not to see the crystal sea. It's not to escape pain and have pleasure. It's not to get out of sickness and get health. Your purpose by saving your eternal soul from the fires of hell is to glorify God forever. That is your purpose. And look what he says. He says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. God saved you. That you might look like Jesus Christ. God saved you that you might by your life glorify His Son. God loves His Son so very much that He says, I want to make other people like Him. I want other people to sing His praises. I want other people to emulate Him. I want other people to be in the image of Him because Jesus is that awesome So I'm going to save these people who don't need saving at all. They're not worth it at all. But I will put my very spirit in them and they will sing his praises for eternity. That's your job. That's my job to be conformed to the image of his son, that we would be the firstborn of many who are resurrected from the dead. And like Samson's calling, we have a calling that we might glorify God. Look what I'm just going to give you some scripture. Just put it into a paragraph form because this is your calling. Are you ready? Ready? The calling of the church is this, that in mercy you are called out of darkness into light. You are called out of sin's bondage and into freedom. You are called together as holy saints of God. You are called to be one body in Christ. You are called to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are called to be a royal priesthood. You are called into the hope of eternal life and glory. You are called into something heavenly, and you are called to proclaim the glory of God in Christ. That's all Scripture. Now, think about that today. That should, one, make you want to shout amen, because that is not given to the rest of the world. That's not given to any Joe Blow on the street. That's given to those who say, I follow Jesus. That's a great reward. That's a great uh, ambition. That's a great calling. It's a high priestly calling. So let me give you this question. As a believer, Christian, what's the purpose of your life? Is it to have another vacation this summer? Is it to get a better job? Is it to get out of sickness and into health? Is it to uh, find relationship and, and pleasure in this world? Is it to go through this Christian life and do as much good as we can until death? Is it, is it just to find uh, happiness and joy? Is that your purpose? Because for many Americans, that's what they strive for every day. They get up and say, I hope I have a better day than yesterday. I hope I feel better than yesterday. I hope I have more joy than yesterday. I hope I have more money than yesterday. I hope my spouse loves me more than yesterday. That's their whole purpose. It's gain. It's pursuit of pleasure. That I, I don't want to feel pain. I want to feel happiness. I don't want to feel loneliness. I want to feel belonging. And everything I do in my life is working towards feeling better. Everything that I do in this life is working towards getting more But what is the ambition of our life? What gives me meaning? Is it my job or my family? Or is it my high calling? And do I have a determination to say, Lord, I don't want to squander this great calling upon my life. I don't want to settle for less than what Jesus Christ has so willingly given me, that the Father has said, I'm giving you the same high priestly calling that my son had. What will you do with your calling? What will you do with your anointing? So we see Samson had this special purpose, but let's talk about his story a little bit. Let's talk about, he began to please his eyes. The Bible says that Samson grew up in the Lord, and finally, he, as a young man, Samson traveled to a place called Timnah, and there he saw a Philistine woman, and he desired to marry her. And so Timnah is near the border of the Philistine territory. Now, now, Israel was taken over by Philistines, so there's Philistines all over Israel, but Samson leaves his home where he found the Lord and is growing up in the Lord, and he travels near the Philistine border. And he looks in the town and he sees a woman that she looked fine to him. And she liked what he saw. She was good looking. I don't know what, what how, you know, the Bible doesn't explain it. But he says, she looks good. I'm going to marry that woman. Now, unfortunately, that's not how it works today. Men or young men, you can't just go into Applebee's and say, that's the one I'm going to marry. She looks great. And just say that. And so Samson goes to his mom and dad and says, hey, go purchase that woman for me. She's the one I'm going to marry. And so his father and mother like, Samson. She's not an Israelite. She's not a God-fearing woman. She's a loose woman. She's a Philistine. She's a pagan. Isn't there somebody you can marry here? And he says, nope, she's hot. That's the one I want. She's the one I want. Go get her. And so uh, the Bible says that Samson said to his father, get her for me. She looks good in Judges chapter 14, verse 3. And so here's the question. What was Samson doing in Timnah? What was Samson doing near the border? Let's be clear, the closer you get to that line, you're soon to cross it. As a holy person with a holy calling called to be separate from God, he began to wander near that line, wander near the border, finding, oh, maybe let's just go take a look. Let's just go see what the enemy has to offer. Let's just see how close I can get. To what the world has to offer. Let me see if what God... I know what God has for me. I know about Jesus with us, the church. I know about the pleasures of God. But let me just go take a look at what the world has. I'm not going to touch. I'm not going to cross the line. I'm just going to get near it. Amen? That's what we do in America so many times. But be certain if you go wandering near the line, you're sure to cross it. So Samson says, okay, let's go marry this. I'm going to marry this woman. So he begins the process... His father goes, and they travel back with Samson. They're going to go uh, take an investigation to see if this lady will say yes, right? Look at Judges 14, verse 5. Samson went down to Timna again with his father and his mother. And they came as far as the vineyards of Timnah. Everybody say vineyard. Vineyards of Timna. And behold, a young lion came roaring towards him, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, so that he tore him as one tears a young goat, though he had nothing in his hands. Now, I don't know if you all have ever torn our young goat in half, so that may not relate to us. That's kind of weird. But anyway, he killed it. And he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. Okay, that was complicated. What does that mean? He's on the road with his mother and father, going back to the border town of the Philistines, and somehow or another, Samson has deviated. His father and mother are not with him, And it says that he went near the vineyard. He came near the vineyard. He's gone off the beaten path. Maybe he's taken a detour to think about what he's about to do. And it says a young lion pounces. He kills it, and he doesn't tell anybody. Why? Why didn't he tell anybody? I'm going to just be honest. If I go out in the woods and I kill a lion, y'all going to hear about it on Facebook. I'm going to take pictures. It's going to be dead. It's going to be on my wall. But why didn't he tell somebody I just killed a lion with my bare hands. I'm the man, right? We would do that today. Because he was in the vineyard. A Nazarite doesn't touch grapes. A Nazarite doesn't eat grapes. A Nazarite doesn't drink wine or liquor. So was Samson doing something he shouldn't have done? He'd come near the border and now he's going back to check it out a little bit more. Let me just take a little detour through the vineyard. Maybe this scrape is good. Was he eating them? Was he thinking about eating them? And he began to think about all the things that he was doing in his life. And then, you know, we think about secret sins. God could give us deliverance over pornography. He could give us deliverance over lying. He could give us deliverance of all kinds of things, of gossip or slander. But guess what? Nobody wants to con- come out and confess and say, Lord, deliver me from lying. Because I've been lying to you all my whole life, right? you got to confess it. Oh, God, I killed that lion. Where would you kill the lion? Oh, when I was eating some grapes in the vineyard. See? Man, God gives those victories over our secret sins in our life, and we begin even to hide the victories of God. And be sure as we take one step towards pleasure, just like Samson, we're sure to take another. Let me go near the border town. Let me go into the vineyard. Let me look at those grapes. It's the same thing we see in the Bible when Eve. The Bible says that Eve saw the tree and that it was good for food and that it was pleasing to the eye. It was desirable to her and she took it and she gave to her husband. That's what the Bible says, that it was this eye, it was the, the pleasing to the eye, the pleasure of the eye. But John says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, that all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust, the pleasure, the desire of the eye's. And the pride of life. It's not from the Father, it's from this world. The world's passing away in all of its lust, but here's the key the, the one who does the will of God will live forever. Are we wandering close to the line? As the church in America, as husbands, as wives, as young people, as senior, seasoned saints, are we wandering too close to the line with our calling? So he pleased his eyes. And he married a Philistine woman, and he went into the vineyard. And then he began to please the flesh. Look at Judges 14, verse 8. He began to please not just the eye, but the flesh. And he returned later to take his wife. And he turned aside, look at that part, he turned aside to look at the carcass of the lion. And behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the body of the lion. So he scraped the honey into his hands and went on, eating as he went. And he came to his father and mother and gave some to them, and they ate it. But he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey out of the body of the lion. Everybody say, yuck. Right? Gross. Who's going to eat honey out of a dead, fly-infested lion? But look at that verse. Why did he go back to the vineyard? He turned aside again. He went to marry this woman. He went through the vineyard. He killed a lion. He didn't get to tell anybody about it because he was in the vineyard, probably doing something he shouldn't do. And he goes and he comes back on the way home. And it says he took the same detour again and he saw the lion. And then not only did it have a pleasing of the eye, he began to please the flesh. He said, hmm, that honey looks good. Don't you know the Bible says that Israel was called to a land that was flowing with milk and honey? But the devil always has a counterfeit for you to disobey the word of God. Samson was called to never touch any unclean thing like a dead animal. But to touch the honey, he had to touch the dead animal. The devil loves to say, oh, that relationship that you have, you got to get it this way. You don't need to find a man or a woman in church. There's someone out there for you. They don't have to be Christian yet. You can get them to be a Christian. Or maybe that you really need that longing. Maybe you just need to take that extra drink. Just save that pill or save that drink on the side because you never know. You never know where you're going to need to take the edge off. Or maybe it's okay to tell this little white lie because it's going to get you that job or that promotion. There's all these things that God has your best interest in mind for. He wants you to have a land flowing with milk and honey, but it's never going to be in the carcass of something dead. He's saying, being him to take another step towards that line. Paul said, everything is lawful for me, but I'm not going to be mastered by anything. The the enemy loves when you try to receive God's blessing on your own. Oh, what's going to please my life is my job and my career. What's going to please my life if I find that person that's going to meet all of my needs. If I find that thing that's going to really make me feel worthy. If I can find that thing that's going to make me have peace or or hope. If I can find that place where I really feel secure and have self-worth. Let me look here. Let me look there. Samson turned aside again. And he tried to receive what was good through the means of bad. You see, pleasure is good for the believer. But it's always going to be from the purpose of God. Samson could have had that milk and honey. He could have had all of that found in the purposes of God. God would provide all of his needs. But he left his purpose... To find pleasure his own way. He left his purpose to find good things his own way. So he had pleased the eye and now he had pleased the flesh. And he tried to begin to fulfill his purpose his own way. Samson finds himself married to a Philistine woman. I'm just going to be brief about this part of his life. He gives gives this riddle at this wedding, and he says, uh, jokingly, he begins to joke about how he ate honey out of the lion. He makes it into a fun game, and he says, If you get this riddle, I'll give you 30 garments, knowing they'll never get it. But the Philistines were a corrupt and evil people, and God had brought judgment upon them and was raising Samson up to raise up Israel and call them to fight against the Philistines. But yet now Samson has married into the family, and all of his friends are actually Philistines. So he squandered his purpose and mingled it up with earthly pleasure. And so they're mad. They can't figure it out. So they tell this, this new bride of his, we're going to kill you and kill your family. We're going to burn you at the stake if you don't get him to tell us what the riddle is. And so she pleads with him and pleads with him. And finally, he gives in to her. And he, they, they, he, they figure out the riddle and they tell him angrily. The Bible says the spirit of the Lord comes upon him in wrath. And so he goes and he kills 30 Philistines, takes their clothes, and he gives them the clothes. Well, in so doing, guess what he did? He touched 30 dead bodies again. And he comes to this place, and he's mad. He's lonely. The Bible says he went away uh, upset and angry. And don't you know, don't you know in that moment we find those places where we feel bad that, man, I've I've gotten to that place. I've done things my own way, and I, uh, I tried to do it, God, but it didn't work out. Samson cools off. He returns to find his father-in-law, and they've given his wife away. So again, he's mad. He takes 150 foxes, or 300 foxes, and he ties their tails together, puts a torch on the end, lets them through the Philistine fields, lights the whole area ablaze, and finally he finds himself alone in the cleft of the rock of Etam. He finds himself alone in the cleft of a rock. When we live life by our own devices, it only leaves us lonely, And even when you win, even when you win, you feel defeated. Oh, I got that promotion. I got more money than I've ever had. But you can still be the most lonely, defeated person that you've ever been before in your life. You could find all the perfect things in this world and and try to live them on your own terms, in your own way. Try to gain all the things that God wants to give to you on your own. But you'll still feel more lonely, alone, isolated. And it'll be a pleasure that only lasts temporarily. And that's where Samson was, probably repenting for what he had done in this cleft of the rock. But like Moses, we find our place in the secret place in the rock of Jesus Christ, hidden away with God. I think Samson began to repent there, alone and isolated, just with his thoughts, to think, man, what am I done with my life? So here we come. The Philistines come and say, hey, we want this guy. He's done bad things in our town. And so 300 men of Judah come up, and they begin to say, Samson, we've got to turn you in. Otherwise, they're going to destroy us. So they bind Samson. They take him to the Philistines. The Philistines begin to shout. And mock him and, and, and just say, man, you're defeated. Even your own people have turned you in. And there, here's this guy, Samson, who is supposed to be rallying the troops. And the purpose of God for his life is that he would rally these people against the Philistines. But here we have his own men betraying him, his own people turning him in under arrest. And they hand him over to be killed or whatever to the Philistines. But again, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him mightily. He grabs a jawbone, a fresh jawbone of a donkey, and he just goes to town, and he wipes out a thousand of them by the Spirit of the Lord. Again, he touches something dead. The Bible says he was weak and emptied of all of his strength and nearing death and having exhausted himself. And for whatever reason, the men of Judah never jumped on the bandwagon with him. Just you think, right then, They could have said, he's taken on a 1,000 by himself. We can at least take on this other 1,000. We're 3,000. We could have marched with him. We could have taken on. This could have been the revival we've been looking for. This could have been the thing. But Samson had squandered his purpose in the Lord for pleasure. And they didn't rally the troops. And he didn't call them to march with him. And he finds himself again alone, defeated, even in the midst of victory, defeated by this rock. And he cries out to God and said, God, give me strength. I, I need you. And God breaks open the rock and water comes out. Just had it done with Moses. And the Bible says that he refreshed himself, that his strength again revived. I think God was teaching him just like he's teaching us today. You know, the real thing you need in your life is the river of living water the thing you really need in your life, the thing you're really longing for, that you're trying to find pleasure and, all, and purpose in all the wrong places, if you would just sit, be still, I would feed you. I would get quench that thirst in your life. I would give you rivers of living water, the purpose and power in the Holy Spirit. That's the thing you've always wanted. Find purpose, God's way for your life. Are we finding purpose? God way, God's way. Samson had touched a dead lion. He'd touched dead men. He'd married a Philistine woman. He, now he touched a dead donkey, all against his calling. But God was reminding him that day that your source of life, your purpose, your power is in me. The living well, the living water. Then his strength revived. We don't hear about Samson for many years later. Samson finds a victory. The troops didn't rally. It seems that all, per, all, all of his purpose is lost. And yet the Holy Spirit is still being patient and gracious. Don't you know God is a loving and merciful and patient God? God has a plan for your life. Even when we begin to mess it up, years go by. Samson's father has uh, passed away. And maybe it was that event in his life that triggered him. The Bible says that he went down to Gaza. That means he went all the way into Philistine territory. To the very end of it. In It says that he saw a prostitute there. They had relations with her. And in the middle of the night, as the men began to camp around the town, they were going to come upon him. But something awoke in Samson before uh, they had uh, waited to that dawn. He, they're going to catch him at dawn, but something woke him up in the middle of the night. Maybe he realized, man, what have I done? What am I doing here? And that he, they had locked the gate hoping to catch him in the town. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily again, and he busted the gate, carried the gate up to the hill, uh, something even miles away. These huge iron gates, and he was released. Don't you know when the Spirit of the Lord is? There's liberty, there's freedom, that nothing can bind us. And so he'd done this, again, uh, had a relationship with this pagan prostitute. And now we find it's 20 years later. 20 years later, in near his hometown, he finds a woman named Delilah, and the Bible says that he loved Delilah. And many of you know this story. But he loves Delilah, and he begins to uh, put his affections towards her. And although his heart was for her, the Bible is clear that his, his adulterous, her adulterous heart was not for him. And she's probably a Philistine woman. And the Philistine captains, they come to him, and they tell, him, tell her, Hey, we're going to give you this large sum of money, pounds and pounds and pounds of silver. A small fortune, if you can tell us his source of strength. Judges 16, verse 5. If you could just tell us what really has fueled him. We want to use that for our benefit. We're not going to kill him. We just let us figure out what it is, and we're going to bind him and use him. So three times, three times, she begins to beg Samson. If you just tell me what your source is. And Three times, he knows... It's the pride of life is over his life. He's he's fallen to the lusts of the flesh and the lusts of the eyes and now the pride of life. He's thinking, I want this thing, but I know I can't give up my calling. I know I'm called to be this and I'm not perfect. But there's some air of arrogance, some ego in him that it begins to say, I'm just going to... I, if.'" If I, I can't give in, but I want to be here. She's she's a woman I love. I, I, I get to have everything I want with her. And and I you know he's he's having relations with her, but he's not married and she's a Philistine. And he, he's like, I'm not getting married again because I've, that went bad the last time. And so he's got all these thoughts going through his mind. But the pride of life begins to bolster him. He says, I'm just going to lead her on. And so he leads her on, and he knows that every time he's going to win. He says, confidence in himself, confidence in the flesh, that every time I've won this far, I'm going to keep on winning. I've made it this far. I've crossed the line this much, but not that much bad has happened to me. God seems to always bail me out. Mm. How close can I get without getting burned? How, How close can I get to that little fling at work without it being adultery? How close can I get to trying that little drug, but it's not going to be addiction? I can try it. But I'm not going to be addicted. I'm control. I got some, I'm confident in myself. So he begins to lead her on. and says, well, if you just bind me this way, then then, then then, I'll lose my strength. Well, she binds him, hides the guys, hides in the closet. Samson, Samson, you know, hey, they're here. And he binds and he, you know, the Bible repeatedly says, just like fire, you know, uh, melts wax, he just broke free and begins to whoop up on these guys. Three times this happens. And the Bible says that she was so upset, she began to nag him and nag him i'm not going to preach on marriage right there she began to nag him and nag him and it says that his soul was so overwhelmed that she began to question his love if you really love me you know if you really love me you'll tell me you'll you'll give me the secrets of your heart you're supposed to share with me everything i know we're not married but you can give me everything of your heart Mm. there's something that's supposed to wait till marriage There's some things that marriage is a spiritual union. It's an emotional union. It's a physical union. You can't just go give out everything before you're married. That's meant in the way God has it for a reason. And so she questions his love. Tell me the deepest things of your heart. Tell me all your secrets. If you really love me, you'll open yourself up with me. And she pressed him and she urged him. The Bible says his soul was annoyed to death. Judges 16, 16. In verse 17, he says he told her all that was in his heart. He told her all of his darkest fears, all of his worries, all of his failures, all of his mistakes, all of his secret sins, all the things he had done, he was laid open and bare before her. She's the one. I know we're not married, but he's the one, Mom. He's the one, sis. He's the one. Uh, he's the guy. I know we've crossed the line. It's okay. But, you know, he, I've, I've given my heart to him. He hasn't ever said yes or put a ring on the finger, but he's the one. Hmm. All that was in his heart. A razor has never come on my head, for I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. See, the hair cutting was the number one thing the angel told them never to do. It was the primary one. And he had already touched the dead things. He'd probably already have partaken of those vines in that vineyard. And now the last straw was cutting on the hair. He says, If I'm shaved, my strength will leave me, and I'll become weak like any other man. So she made him sleep and had a man come in and shave the seven locks off of his head, and the strength left him. And then she said, Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep. And here's what he says. He says, I will go out as any other time and shake myself free. But he did not know the Lord had departed from him. Probably one of the most saddest verses in Scripture. That he had lived so close to the line, he did not know he had crossed it. He lived so close to pleasure and temptation and the pride of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. All close to the, how close can I get? He had lived so long doing life his own way, trying to follow God, but yet follow his carnal desires. He did not even recognize the Holy Spirit was no longer in him. It departed from him. His covenant was gone. His vow, his consecration, his high priestly calling was ended. The Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes. They brought him down to Gaza, bound him with bronze chains, and he became a grinder in the prison. He gave his heart, and the pride of his flesh caused him to stumble. Some say love is blind, and Samson found that literally to be true. You see, Delilah lived in the valley of Sorek. What does Sorek mean? Sorek means choice vine or red vine. It was a valley of vineyards. You see, Samson found out the hard way. There is a lion in the vineyard of pleasure. That old lion was still there waiting. He thought he killed it years ago. But because he kept hanging out in the vineyard, as close as I can get to temptation, as close as I can get without crossing the line, one day he spent too much time in that vineyard. And the Bible says he gave his heart away. And that old lion, the devil, was waiting there seeking someone to devour. And it won. There's a lion in the vineyard of pleasure. He's looking for those who've forsaken their heavenly calling for the pursuits of earthly pleasures. You see, lust had blinded him. Pride had bound him. The spirit had left him. And the old lion, it devoured him. The Bible says in Matthew 26 that Jesus would challenge us to keep watching and praying that we would not enter into temptation because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He gotten so close to the edge, he crossed the line, and now it was too late. He traded his purpose for pleasure. The Bible says the pleasures of this world make us foolish. They make us disobedient. They deceive us. And James says it's unfulfilled pleasure that causes murder. It's unfulfilled pleasure, he says, that causes the reason your prayers aren't answered, because we're praying with selfish motives. That it's unfulfilled pleasure that causes all sorts of discord and and arguments in our marriages, in our churches. It's unfulfilled. We're, We're desiring things for ourselves. But Psalm 16, verse 11 says... If we would follow into the Lord and realize the Lord is our cup, the Lord is our portion. He says, you will make known to me the path or that purpose of life. Because in your presence is fullness of joy. And in your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. See, the true purpose and pleasure that we all need is in the presence of God. It's in the pathway, the purpose of the Word of God that it lays out clearly for us in Scripture. God is not interested in giving you a life that is devoid of pleasure. God is not a God that puts a bunch of rules in your life so you cannot have fun, young people. God is interested in saying, I have the most fulfilled, enjoyable, satisfactory life ever imaginable. Not just now, but for eternity. But the way to it is through my son, Jesus Christ. And he's the pathway to life. And in the presence of my spirit, there is eternal pleasure forevermore. And so we go through this life so many times. We think, Lord, if I could just get a break. God, if I could just get a better relationship. God, if I could just get more money. And it's those moments we say, no, 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 no. There's a lion in the vineyard of pleasure. And the only way I'm going to find peace and love and joy and happiness and and self-worth and belonging is going to be in the presence of the living God. It's better than any drug. It's better than any relationship. It's better than any career choice. It's better than anything this world has to offer. Because true pleasure is found in living out the purpose of God for my life. Moses found it was better to endure the sufferings of a child of God than the passing pleasures of sin, for they came out of Egypt. It was in that pit, Samson was humbled, and he returned to the Lord. His hair, the Bible says, began to grow back. And thousands of Philistines mocked him in this great assembly, worshiping this false god. And Samson found himself there bound to a little boy in another attempt of mockery. What he had come victored over thousands of Philistines before, now a little boy led him. There he asked the little boy to put him on the two pillars that held the great assembly together, and he began to pray. He said, Lord, I may read it. He said, Samson grasped the two pillars and he braced himself, one on the right. And he says, Oh, Lord, please remember me and please strengthen me this one time that I might be avenged by the Philistines for my two eyes. And he said, Let me die with the Philistines. He bent with all of his might and the house fell upon the lords of the Philistines and all the people who were in it. And he killed more with his death than those whom he killed in his life. And for that reason because of his repentant heart Hebrews chapter 11 says not because of all that he had done but because he had faith again in the spirit of God that he returned to God as the source of his life and returned to his purpose that he is a hero of faith you know that means there's hope for me there's hope for you even if i've squandered my life even if there's things that i didn't do exactly perfect that God is a God who loves us is graceful and merciful to us he says that i just long as you have faith in me If you return to my spirit as the source of purpose and power and pleasure. You're going to be my child again. You're going to be the person. I'm going to fill you with my Holy Spirit. We're going to be together for eternity. As a hero of faith. There's hope for Samson. There's hope for you. There's hope for me. But what good are physical victories in this world if we have spiritual defeats? What good is all the pleasures of this world if we don't have the presence of the living God? It's the Spirit of the Lord that gives us no chains. It breaks the chains of sin. It's the Spirit of the Lord that breaks the chains of death. And like Samson, you and I have a high calling to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's possession, so that we can proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. That's your purpose in life. That is the point of living as a Christian. So my question to us today is, Heath Harris, is there anything in your life that you are trying to fill and satisfy without the presence of God? Is there anything in this life I'm trying to accomplish by the flesh to find a sense of value, of self-worth? Am I looking too much to my spouse to give me all that I need? Am I looking too much to my finances to give me what I need? Am I looking too much to my children sometimes, even to bring me out and say, hey, I'm a good dad, I'm a good father, I'm a good person? Do I try to buy my value into others? Is it about what I'm posting on Facebook makes me feel better? I'm looking at all the likes. Or is it the things that we try to take the edge off with? Is it that I'm looking for a longing or a belonging somewhere in this world that's going to really only try to give me a passing pleasure, but what I really need is the presence of God more and more and more in my life? Would you bow your heads? I'm going to ask the worship you to come. Your purpose and your power comes from the presence of the living God. You have a high calling, church. But if you've messed up today, there's hope for you. God is a gracious God. He's just saying, return to me. Give me every area of your life. Don't get too close to that vineyard. Don't be spending time in the vineyard of pleasure. There's a lion in the vineyard. God's got your best plan for your life. I don't care if you're 70 years old or 17 years old. God still has things for you to do by the power and the purpose of the Holy Spirit.